Boxeo is back in the building. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the boxing edition as we grill our meat extra rare, featuring much more than trace amounts of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. Just about ready to tag in Big Red to recap all the latest news in the sweet science and preview a loaded triple header Saturday from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn on Showtime featuring Adrian Broner, Jermall Charlo, and Gervonta Tank Davis. But before we make this audio magic complete, let me get a few pieces of business out of the way to start, including if you hear something on today's show that you like. If you see something, say something. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review. Hey, toss us a solid with a five-star rating. And don't forget to check out the other ITC offerings this week, including our always entertaining pro wrestling show on Wednesday and a very, very special karate edition of the ITC on Tuesday. One might call it a karate kid edition, in fact. And one amounts to nothing less than a dream interview in this corner sits down with noted 80s movie villain William Zabka, who is set to reprise his role as Cobra Kai leader Johnny Lawrence of Karate Kid fame in the upcoming Cobra Kai series on YouTube Red. Plus, Rafe Bugs and friend of the show Eric Raskin will drop by for the deepest of deep dives on the KK movie franchise, including which iconic characters really would win in a fight and so much more. Look, this is audio you simply won't want to miss. But speaking of Rafe Bugs, let me welcome in everyone's favorite ginger now that Canelo has officially turned heel. He's an internationally big, big, known. Big, and he's red, red, red. Yes. You're all right, Campbell. All, you know well, let me just You're get, all right. I was going to read all your, all, your, uh, all your titles here. He's an internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino TV star, box respecter. And until the road to Jeddah ever becomes complete in our lives, your personal candy liquor. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you Oh, Rafe Books, it's been a long time since we rock and rolled, Rafe Bartholomew, but you're back. How the heck is it, dude? Uh, it's good to be back. Feels very nice. Uh, you know, you, you got me down a little bit there, Brian, because you mentioned the road to Jeddah, which is no longer paved with cruiserweight abs and flabs. What's it going is, on uh, here? Give us the latest so, on this. Uh, well, we don't know exactly what's happening, but uh, our, our guy, Cal Sauerland, uh, always, uh, you know, all, he's always so on the ball. He announced on Twitter that they would be pushing the fight back, the both of the championship fights in the super middleweight and the cruiserweight divisions, back to sometime in the summer, uh, likely July, maybe June, likely July. And I, we will still get them, just not quite on the schedule that we had been so primed and lubed up for. Uh, but it may be for the better. Who knows how they were? Is there even a, a, an audience for boxing in the, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia? What other sorts of hoops would they have had to go through? There might have been a big bag waiting for them at the end. But <laughs> what they're finding is that there may be an even larger bag waiting in Russia, where, of course, Murat Gassiev is, you know, from is from Russia. And uh, Alexander Usyk is from Ukraine. So there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, affinity, lot of local affinity there. They want it. The Russians want it bad. And when the Russians want something bad, they usually come up with that money to get it we may talk about that later in regards to anthony joshua yeah i mean first of all uh, we know on this podcast 
please, don't tease the bag or you probably will get the mess. Tease, tease, tease. All you do is tease. Please, please, please. Don't be a tease. Oh, yeah, how about that? But uh, I will tell you this, though. I wanted to bring up Jetta because there's a lot of money in Saudi Arabia that they're, well, we know that. And we know that there's a lot of money being thrown at sports or sports entertainment. I don't know if you've been following. In fact, I know you haven't been following WWE during WrestleMania season. But they're bastardizing their own product to a certain degree, Rafe, to, on April 27th to roll out this Friday afternoon, like, in-between pay-per-view from Saudi Arabia where they're putting everyone in, like, the history of WWE on this card. They're putting all title matches. They're bringing back, like, The Undertaker and Triple H and all these, like, you know, Cena, all the, Chris Jericho, all these part-timers and old names. And it's called the Greatest Royal Rumble card. And, you know, Royal Rumble, I don't know if you know, it's like an annual match. That means a lot. It sets up WrestleMania. They're doing a 50-man Royal Rumble, like completely bastardizing the one they just had. Is it still uh, like two minutes between each entry? More or less, 90 seconds, two minutes. But it's this is the equivalent of like if the if if Saudi Arabia called up the NFL and they were like, hey, we know you just had the Super Bowl, but can we do the greatest Super Bowl of all time next month and just take the two championship teams and we'll just do it over again? Like it's literally that. I want to know what kind of contract WWE signed because they are like rolling out the reddest of red carpets to make this work. Can we get some of that money back in the cruiser division? I mean, can we make this happen here? Now that you mention it, Brian, I'm a little upset. It makes me even more upset after all the all the time that us boxing fans lose of of prime BC that you have to devote to covering wrestling. Uh, on top of that, these these wrestling bums might might be dipping into that money that was destined for cruiserweights. That's crazy. That's an outrage, bro. Hey, bro. I mean, that's yeah, pro wrestling is back. All right. You may not want to get on board. I know our buddy Eric Raskin pulled out. Whoa. Hey, wow. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to talk about his personal life there, you know, but yeah, I know he pulled out of the product, but Hey, Rafe, let's get back into the things people care about on the show. And that's boxing. We've been off for a bit. A lot has happened in the meantime. We want to sort of run it down and give the, uh, the listeners here our take on the major stories. Rafe, there was nothing bigger than Canelo doing his own withdrawal, if you if you will, if you have to. May 5th, he's out, of course, of the Triple G fight, pulled out ahead of his own sort of uh, commission meeting that would have given him a, a slap, some sort of slap. Later this right? week, April 18th, yeah, we get they... to watch the, the drama unfolds. Canelo versus Bob Bennett. NSAC, <laughs> be there. I mean, they would have poured something on him, right? Come on, let me, let me to really just, you know, take away uh, his invincibility there as he was riding pretty hard. But what we're going to get as a replacement, Rafe, is we think Triple G versus somebody in what a soap opera that has gone on. Let's get to that in a second. First, just your reaction. We, we This isn't new from the last time we recorded. We thought this could happen. But your reaction to Triple G getting ahead of it in Nevada actually having a backbone. Wow, that's that feels like a, a decade ago already. I mean, this story... There's a, they throw a new curveball at you every day. It it's kind of driving me crazy, Brian. Every time I think I'm on top of it, there's something new going all the way up to last week's surprise surgery for Canelo, which got misreported by Golden Boy's Eric Gomez as a cosmetic surgery. I was like, what is he getting the freckles removed? Is he finally getting hair implants? And didn't the heel uh, Canelo get call rid of him that out? Ginger? Heel Canelo called out Gomez on Instagram, right? I saw, yeah, I mean, and and Manny, I mean, the new thing apparently now is for for fighters to correct their their management on Instagram, just like Manny did regarding Michael Kahn's. We'll get there later. Um, sheesh, uh, you know, it is good that 
I think it is okay that 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 NSAC took a stand. Someone eventually had to in boxing. It sends a message that if it can happen to Canelo, it can happen to anyone. I don't quite believe that it was all done out of you know desire to keep the sport clean, keep everything on the up and up. It seemed like uh, Nevada felt perhaps a little boxed into a corner that the the bad press was had had gotten a little out of control. Because Triple and G, was, he cut off the ring yes. and he cornered them. Nobody puts NSAC in the corner, right? I, apparently not. Not um, even Patrick yeah, and Swayze. This is, uh, Bob Bennett is former FBI, I believe. Certainly has a law law enforcement background, so not the kind of guy who who may respond well to that sort of pressure. You know, that sort of cool head, just let it blow over. We'll still make money off this fight, kind of mindset. Now. Boxing, it's not a, the problem will always be that it's impossible to enforce this in any kind of rational way in boxing. But when someone gets caught for any reason, they should face some penalties. Uh, so, so it was, it it was one sense. of those careful what you wish for. We, we wished for a little more justice and then we, we lost the fight. And, you know, I think it's kind of Triple G's fault in a good sense, though. He, he didn't let the, the story die. He kept pushing it. He backed them into a corner. I'm sorry. I know we all love us ourselves some Saul, right? I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. But you're just not going to get him on May 5th, and that's the bottom line. So, so I'm finally some justice for somebody who may or may not be cheating. But I like the bottom line, though, of one thing that Bob Bennett did say in that sort of letter that came out. He said, whether you meant to or not, Canelo, it's still an anti-doping violation. So there's still a violation that happened. So, you know, I know people are saying, well, if this was in New York, the commission would have been different. We would still be having this fight. Well, it wasn't. If this, if the first fight, by the way, was in New York and not Las Vegas, then we also would have had a different ending. The adolescent bird. So you know, whatever. All right, we're gonna see it in September, more or less, right? So well, it's it's sort of like whatever. Canelo's well, a heel, not, though. Is, but whatever. Is it whatever. I don't know if it's what. I mean, plus, I in the aftermath, and I don't know if we want to get there right away, but it's just poor Triple G is left has been not poor Triple G, but Triple G has been left holding the bag with this just cursed fight date, trying, forcing something out of it when it just seems obvious that they should just walk away and and figure out something better. Because uh, it's less than two weeks now before May 5th, if they're, if, and they're still talking about perhaps making that fight, making a fight happen with, you know, it could be anyone from Vanis Martirosian to, <laughs> I saw... You know, battleship director Peter Berg sparring with uh, Rougarou, uh, you know, recently. So maybe maybe he's on the – Maybe progress? he's getting into shape. Lenny Bowtie may be available. Who the yeah, – I mean, well, let's go. I want to go through away that. from this, guys. All right. it's, it's, it's cursed. Before we go through what happened and who was available and who might be, I got something to say for HBO here and Golden Boy and really everybody involved. This Canelo beef situation didn't come out of nowhere, right? It basically appeared on our timelines in what, like late February? Plenty of time to work out a serious backup plan. Plenty of time to go, all right, guess what we have? A built-in cushion. We have Danny Jacobs, who just gave Canelo, I'm sorry, Triple G, a great fight last year that I scored a draw. A lot of people had it close. Fighting the week before on HBO against the guy nobody cares about or can pronounce his name. Rafe, are you telling me they could not have made a backdoor deal with, with Eddie Hearn, and, and who's an HBO guy right now as well, and said, if Canelo has trouble, it's going to be very easy to pull Jacobs off this 
Marcin Sukie fight, what a Sukaji is, whatever hey, you want to call this guy. Suletsky, okay? And, like, are you serious? Mace Suletsky. You serious that you, I mean, really, I mean, should, I should probably, you know, get, get Triple G saying that. You're serious? Hey, Triple G, you're serious that you could not have worked out a, a, a deal to fall back on? You're telling me Jacobs wouldn't want Triple G right now? He's already coming off of a tune-up against Arius. This is another sort of get-in-line tune-up. How could HBO not work this out? to save this May 5th date. Instead, what we got was this parade of, well, Triple G is going to hold the pay-per-view date, but he's probably going to fight this guy, Jamie Mungia, that you never heard of. Oh, no! Suddenly, the Nevada Commission has a backbone again! They're going to pull him. Oh, no, it's going to be this guy, Spike O'Sullivan, who has a great mustache, but you know he's going to get blasted. Oh, uh, no! Spike you, doesn't... I was down... Look, let me say one thing. Not that it would have been a good fight, and I understand why everyone hated it, but I, I a little sick portion of me has always wanted to see what would happen if Triple G fought just a, a caveman with a great chin, which Spike O'Sullivan may be about as close as the middleweight division has to that right now, uh, how long it would take for someone with Triple G's power to chop down that kind of that kind of uh, you know skill guy, unskilled brawler type? <laughs> and he had it coming from a couple years ago when when O'Sullivan called out. Uh, Golovkin wearing the the Borat one piece. I mean, he he went straight to like the Kazakh you. slander. He deserves this. I like you. I like sex. It's nice. Yeah, he he did sort of have it coming, but the thing is, Kazakhstan forever. Nobody man. wants to see so that Golovkin fight. needed Dude, to. Dude, well, that's anyway. that's Rubio and Dominic Wade and Adamu all over again. So nobody wants. So by the way, shout out to Spike O'Sullivan for actually saying, you know what? On short notice, short money, I'm actually not going to take it. So where we're okay, at. I have a question for you. Yeah, I, what you, do you, got? you like a good conspiracy theory, Brian. Yeah, what do you got for me? Well, I, I was I heard this last week on Chris Mannix's boxing podcast on Yahoo. Never heard of it. And he reported or mentioned that uh, he had heard that Golden Boy was leaning a little bit on HBO to, to not just, just keep – Triple G on ice until Ooh, September. I did hear that. Don't so, have, sorry, so, I did hear that episode. If that's the case, Golden uh, Golden Boy promotes Gary O'Sullivan. Perhaps they slipped him an envelope or a bag and said, look, why don't you just fight somebody on May 4th? You can hang out with King Rai Garcia. We got a yes. card lined up at the StubHub Center. You know, take some selfies together. Get your social media up. Knock somebody out. And we'll figure something out for you in the future. But we want to keep Triple G... Uh, you know, inactive or whatever. We don't want to risk the the Canelo fight, whatever the reason may be. Because I'm but yelling, they, they... I'm yelling here for for Jacobs to be touching M's and get in this this, this play date. Well, you ain't even touching M yet. I'm I'm basically saying Jacobs touch M's and fight Golovkin, and you're saying, which is smart. I did hear that on Mags' show, which is Golden Boy saying, no, let's let's keep Triple G around. We don't need him taking a split decision loss to Jacobs. We don't need him getting injured. We don't need him effing this up. That makes a lot of sense, Rafe. But if they are going to save it. And by the way, the, the pain in them saving it here is this would be the title defense number 20 at middleweight where Triple G would tie Hopkins' record. Maybe you don't care about that. We really shouldn't care about it because Hopkins was fighting nobody's to get to that number anyway. But you don't want it to come against a Jamie Mungia. I was going to say, yeah. yeah but it, it almost doesn't – it gets a bigger – a much bigger asterisk. Uh, and, and, yeah, you can compare those two runs and, and the flaw, you know, pros and cons of both of them, uh, Bernard and Triple G. Uh, but if it came against, you know, I believe it may be Jaime Mungia or Gary O'Sullivan or, or any sort of no hoper, it would have been, and they, and they tried to celebrate it as a big deal. They would have gotten roasted. I think this, if this fight does go through against anyone on May 5th, 
HBO and Golovkin are going to get destroyed online. It's just, and that's that's kind of the sad thing is Canelo's the one who messed this up, right? He's the tainted beef guy who is now off getting cosmetic surgeries and you know back to partying with whoever the heck he messes I around was with. Born ready. <laughs> Yeah, he's born ready. Uh, and and Golovkin is here floundering, trying to make something of this date. And whatever, it's just like more egg on his face. Well, speaking of egg on people's faces, they were going to do this on pay-per-view because HBO didn't have the money. Then you hear reports that Top Rank comes out and says, no, we'll put Triple G on ESPN. We'll put him on our new streaming app where all this boxing is going to be on as part of our ESPN deal. And suddenly HBO goes, no, 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 hold on. We'll find the money. We'll get him on HBO. We won't let this fight die. I just want to add this one thing. And you know I'm a Vonis lover. He's such a character. If it has to be a late late replacement against, you know, like a disappointing type of fight, I'd want Vonis over all these guys. Maybe I just like Vonis more than like a Dan Raphael who's spouting on Twitter this would be the worst fight ever. And Vonis, by the way, came in high, high, high heat. Vonis on, on Dan Raphael there attacking the fleece. But I'll say this. I won't mind Vonis as an opponent in this case. At least he's like a guy who had a good amateur background, can box a little bit, tough as balls, is going to go in there. Always tries to fight the toughest guy available. Fought Lara twice when nobody wanted to. I know he's not a middleweight, but he's a 54, move up last minute. Yes, he's going to get knocked out. I'd rather see that than any of these other names. Maybe that's just my Uh personal taste. Call me out if you no, want. I mean, look, every, it's, it really comes down to are you willing to play the game at all and choose a favorite out of this bunch of, of people who have no business getting this fight if it goes through? Uh, and Vonis is probably on that list. My number two. I mean, if we're, you know, that means we're not counting the guys who would be more interesting, like, you Saunders. know, uh, and on, you know, Demetrius Andrade, uh, Danny Jacobs, even Lou is mandatory, yeah. Derevinchenko. I don't know if that guy is actually that good, but people seem to think he has a better chance. He's a, you know, a decent middleweight. 12 and 0 hasn't really proven much yet, but looks better than, than some of these other guys where we, where we know what we're getting. Not anyway, not so not out of that kind you. of separating those guys who would be more legitimate defenses. Sure. Vonis. Yeah. It is unfair to single out Vonis as, as somehow worse than these others. They are all really, really bad choices. Uh, so it's, and, and if my favorite is a lunatic, like, like Cork's Cork Ireland's own Gary O'Sullivan, no. then your favorite might as well be Vonis Martirosian. And I, my only tip there, I demand that he bring, I don't care if Joe Goosen is in, is in Italy playing patty cakes with Amir Khan. You get Goosen back in the ring with Vonis. Wow. Wow. Uh, to close on this, the sort of an, you know, under talked about reality is that Triple G just turned 36, Rafe. And we all want this rematch, but we know Canelo made him wait two years the first time around. Now, through on purpose or not another year we're waiting another year essentially triple g will be 36 if they do this rematch in september are we fooling ourselves to not believe that you know maybe i mean i'm not going to come out here and say he's washed he's not but is he diminished well, from the tour de force guy that that we watched and loved originally in 2013 that is certainly a fair thing to wonder because of his age because of not just look, it, it makes sense that he would have more difficult fights against Danny Jacobs and Canelo Alvarez. That is a, a very high level of opposition. But I did feel that he looked slower to me and had more trouble pulling the trigger and whiffed a lot on his straight uh, on, on his overhand rights and straight rights against Canelo in ways that I'm not used to see, seeing him do against 
anybody, even if, and, and I, and it felt in a way that was not just about Canelo being a better fighter than, than most of the other guys Triple G has fought. Uh, so there's that. There's just, I've found it a little bit weird after all these years of no one ever basically wanting to utter his name. He might as well have been like Kaiser Soze for five years. <laughs> all of a sudden, a fight opens up or and half of the division just immediately says, I'll fight him. That means something, they I see think. Something. That, 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 that boxers see something, too, that they think, well... I, it ain't gonna be easy. I pro- I may actually lose, but now there is the risk reward is at least in favor of the, the. There's enough reward there, and the risk is not as bad as it was. So here's what uh, I say to is- Abel. Here's what I say to Abel and Triple G. The one criticism they got in those last two major step up fights, Jacobs and Canelo, was that there was no Plan B. Plan A essentially won both of those fights in our eyes, but there was no Plan B, and he got out wrinkled. He got out countered. Certain things those guys did, especially Canelo defensively, and especially J- especially Jacob switching stances, sort of flustered Canelo or uh, Triple G. So hey, Triple G, you're 36 now. We know what you love. This is my style, like Mexican style. Well, then how about you adjust your Mexican style to one of the greatest Mexican fighters of all time, Juan Manuel Marquez, and maybe in your late 30s become more about timing and countering with your big right hand rather than cutting off and chasing exclusively with your jab in hopes that you set up that roundhouse right, right, which he really was unable to land on against Canelo in the first fight. Maybe if he pulled back his output a bit and tried to be more strategic, I don't know, maybe that would hurt him on the scorecards if he wasn't able to land it. I'm just saying, Jordan, in the early 90s, started to develop that fadeaway J, knowing that he's not going to drive to the hoop all day, all right? So, uh, Triple G, Jordan Brand, maybe you got to start finding a plan B for this twilight second half of your prime here. I perhaps I don't know if I would I want to see him do that against Canelo though because it sounds like he'd basically be playing straight into Canelo's hands. I mean Canelo who is you know whose timing and crisp counterpunching you know his his the combinations he can put together in short bursts it's basically what he does best. So uh, I would hope and 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 some of the I wonder if some of the alarm the urgency with which Triple G seems and his camp seem to feel about making a fight right away, staying active has to do with maybe some sense among themselves that, yeah, the, 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 the string, they may be running out of string yet. And they, and if they can't get the Canelo fight as, you know, on schedule when they want it, then they want to fight someone to, to so they don't have to shake off ring rust whenever they do get it. Well, think about it. The one thing that triple G has done when he couldn't get people he wanted to fight was stay active. But when you do that, you're almost never out of training camp, and there is a burnout that eventually yeah. catches up with you. Triple G really hasn't. What's the longest break he's had? Six months at one point, I think a couple years ago. Like that's the like he's fighting every three, four months on the dot. Maybe there's some burnout. Anyway, we got to spin off of this topic. So much to get to before we get to a little bit more important stuff. Did you see me at WrestleMania last week when I posted a picture with this guy? <laughs> I mean, come on, the great Brian Perez on the sidewalks in New Orleans on Bourbon Street. You got to stop what you're doing and take a picture with uh, the provocateur of Mr. Knotts, right? He was not there with Miguel Cotto. He was just enjoying WrestleMania weekend. Is he, a, is he a mark like you? He told me his wife was, and he was taking her to Mania. He was wearing an MC Miguel Cotto jacket, although he was very polite, and he did. I forced him to do the fist in the photo. You know, everybody's got to do the, the fist. Come on, everybody's got to do the fist. He was a little caught off guard when I stopped him, almost like, why are you talking to me? Why are we doing this? I didn't identify myself as a journalist, though. I tried to stay as wrestling boxing fan, just like, hey, you're that guy. Let's do, you know, whatever. Who cares? All right, Rafe, let's roll through a couple headlines that we missed by being off lately Anthony Joshua unified heavyweight titles in that fight against Joseph Parker in Wales on Showtime 
Joshua going the distance for the first time in his career gets the unanimous scorecards. Way wider, by the way, on the judges' cards than I thought. But still, this was a weird fight. Parker was defensive. Parker also really wasn't trying to win. And it seemed Joshua was content to just jab and go the distance. In the end, Rafe, I know you can't knock out anybody, everybody. And Joshua had knocked out everybody up to this point. And in the end, I know some fights you're just moving the chains. But considering the noise right now in this division, I thought it was an unimpressive performance from AJ. Your thoughts, brother? Unimpressive may, well, it wasn't much fun. I feel it may be a little unfair to call it unimpressive. He was against, uh, look, I was impressed with Joseph Parker. Um, I, to, to tell you the truth, I had skipped a lot of his pre, a lot of his previous fights, the, the, the YouTube replays that aired, uh, you know, from the Burger King ring in, in New Zealand <laughs> or Australia and everywhere else that he had been fighting recently. And, because by the time they came out, the story was always the same. Well, he fought Andy Ruiz, and it was kind of boring. Ruiz looked better than we expected. Parker looked a little worse, and Parker got the decision. And he had like three or four of those in a row. And and so I didn't know him as well as I probably should have going in. And I was impressed at just how well he was able to move, how he, he really was as fast and quick as, as they said he would be. What he what he didn't do, like you mentioned, is really do anything to win that fight. He was always on the back foot. He came out a couple times with a, uh, some short flurries, combinations that didn't do much. And, but you know, and AJ, that was stop, it. you know AJ never said, though? We, you know, we never, we never heard that. Right? Uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, it would have been pretty strange if AJ had said that. That's true. I did get, I did, did screw that one up. But hey, it was just fun to hear that sound. But yeah, I thought. Look, I, I get what you're saying. Parker was defensive. He never had the power to hurt him at all. I just think if you're AJ in that spot, and you could have the other argument. You could say if you're AJ in that spot, protect, brother. Protect. Get us to the Wilder and Fury fights. Protect. I'm saying no. In that spot, look what Wilder did against Ortiz. Right. Back against the wall, okay, maybe Joshua's back wasn't against the wall in this fight. But back against the wall, he won that fight because he wanted it more. I just didn't get this feeling like AJ wanted it. And when you want it, Rafe, you go out there and there's only one thing to do. Yeah, I mean, come on, you know. We, we, got, we got to bang him. There, was, there wasn't a lot of banging going on, Rafe. I, I, this year, heavyweights, we got to bang, brother. Right? Yes, oh. but Joseph Parker wasn't there for that, man. He had, he came in with a game plan that was not really geared to win, but was certainly effective in what in in extending the fight in in him not taking a, a, a terrible beating. Sure, and I don't, sure. I, that's not to say, and also, oh, you know what? And that was my casual he, fan response. That's not my expert journalist response. That's right, the fan right. in me response. No, no, no. I look, of course, these are heavy. The reason, the reason this heavyweight division is fun right now is because we've talked about this. Most of the guys are vulnerable. They're all vulnerable in some way. Nobody really sticks out as a perfect fighter. Joshua seems like he has the best total package if you know what I'm talking about uh and uh it's just a uh, it's a but but really any any of these guys at the top of that division seem like they can beat each other and usually in fun ways so this was the opposite of that this was a fight that just totally fizzled I should mention and we we and this is something that was big in the moment uh and sort of faded a little bit from our memories at least the first five minutes of this conversation the ref that ref I Brutal. think 
played a role. Not only was he bad, I think he played a, a large role in that fight not heating up and us not seeing some of that action because right. did we not get the Parker on the inside then? Uh, by the way, I just I don't did think that. It's just the. I, it's not just. I don't just think that Parker. I don't. The, I know Parker's side. Their camp said, "Oh, we weren't allowed to work inside." Well, okay, I, if that was part of their plan. But I also think that Joshua would it, yeah. getting in and out of those clinches, coming in and out of distance. That's where we might have seen that fight heat up. Well, someone t- get caught with a bigger punch, someone get hurt, and then things go from there. But the ref was so crazy in breaking up the, the even be, that you know there was one in the middle rounds when the fighters before the ref even stepped in, they looked at each other and were and and sort of had this moment where they're like maybe we should break up cuz he's coming right now. <laughs> and when the fighters are doing that, like have already figured out that the ref is that bad and and what and it's just it, it really put a damper on that fight. It, it absolutely did. And I just wanted to get that uh, referee's name so we never have to hear it said again. Uh, that was referee Giuseppe Cortaroni. But uh, it prevented Parker from showing us that S. And this came in a pre-fight interview that you tipped me off of. And by tip, you mean just for a second, just to see how it feels. This is Radio Raheem with Joseph Parker before the fight. I feel like I might have some secret powers that people don't know about. Who knows? I might. You know? <laughs> so you're going to walk in the ring and rip that suit off and show everyone your S. <laughs> There's... And you had, a, you had a guess on what that S might be. I forget now. It was, it was not his D, though, right? No, no, no. But it certainly was. It certainly was close. I mean, it, it was like another hot beef injection. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's we really we he never was never able to really slip that to us. You slip her the hot beef injection. So you know, look, we've gone off the rails here, but we never got to see the best of him. Let's spin off where this went. Okay, this went. Uh, Tyson Fury gave us an instant analysis on Instagram, and man, these are becoming must listen. Just watching these two, and I'm telling you. They're a pair of wooden tops. They're not even good enough to be my sparring partners, a pair of them. They're a pair of buns. No panache, no flair, no show. Waste of money. There's only one Tyson Fury for a reason. This is Matt Gear, 18. They're a pack of bombs. Parker is what Parker is. He's a young lad trying. AJ's a wooden top. He ain't no superstar. I am the man. All right, the Mac is back, and these guys don't have the panache. And I kind of got that feeling. I got the feeling after this fight that as much as I'm now praising Wilder as the guy I think who would probably beat Joshua, I think in shape Fury might beat them all. And Fury just came back and announced he is. That comeback fight will be on an already crowded June 9th. We don't have an opponent yet, which is weird to see him come out and do that. But I think it was more that he re-signed with his promoter. Uh, Frank Warren, so it was more about let's put the dog and pony out and just say he's not going with Eddie Hearn, we're coming out. But I got the feeling that if he could ever trim down a few stone, Rafe, that really Fury is the kryptonite for these guys if he can ever be the Fury from the Klitschko fight again. Well, possibly, yeah. I mean, definitely seeing the way that, that Joshua never got anything impressive done against Parker, who was fighting off the back foot, moving well, basically doing things we've seen Fury do when he's in shape. And Fury basically has done it better and manages to come back and score points in a more effective way when he's on point like that. But at the same time, I think that Fury was so perfect, like that style matchup in a way we weren't expecting 
defused Klitschko so perfectly in when when they fought in that you know Klitschko the guy who it sort of ba- rebuilt his entire career about being very cautious only letting his hands go when it was a sure thing and Fury just kind of bamboozled him you know just you know mo- kept moving kept his hands moving and did enough so that that even though nothing really happened in the fight Vlad never felt comfortable taking his chance yeah, definitely. He disarmed Vlad. And by the way, Klitschko came out in an interview, I don't know if you saw this, with the London Times the other day, and was sort of asked, you know, from your experience. Oh, yeah. Called could, him a fart in the wind, could right? Fury do that with Joshua? And he's like, hands down, Joshua wins. He is getting to the to be the complete fighter. Technically, size-wise, weight-wise, power-wise, he's a good learner. The other guy, Fury, like a fart in the wind, it, it is there and it is gone. In the history of boxing, there are a lot of examples of this guy. They could be successful for a time, but are not disciplined enough to continue to be successful. Um, hey, hey, Vlad, okay? And by the way, Vlad ended with, I'm not Nostradamus, I can't predict the future, but drawing from my experience, I would say it's going to be difficult for Tyson because there's that lack of discipline. He had plenty of discipline that night. He disciplined you enough, as Max Kellerman would say, not to throw your right hand. So for the last and final time, I'll say anybody who's still on that high horse, that Fury Klitschko was just this awful fight in which one guy fought awful and the other guy fought worse. No, Fury solved the puzzle. He disarmed him. I'm just feeling like he could do that again, but we got to get him down from that career-high 378 pounds that he was and get him down closer to 250. If he can do that, then maybe these few years away, Rafe, which added some mileage to him in terms of, like, drug use, didn't add a lot of physical mileage to him, right? I mean, I know it's not healthy to put on weight and then take it all off, but I'm really I'm really going to be drinking the juice for the Gypsy King here and think that he's got a chance. I mean, it's all going to be how he looks June 9th, but... It seems like he also has a chance to, of course, crash the party on the idea of A.J. Wilder in 2018 because Eddie Hearn all over the place right now. I just don't have any confidence that he wants this fight this year. This year? No, it's not. I don't think it's happening this year, uh, especially. Well, and, and the mandatory issue with Alexander Povetkin is is a pretty serious thing. It is very difficult to out negotiate or to defeat uh, the, you know, the Russian barons, these guys with state money uh, who, who back Povetkin. I think it's, it's Rabinsky, the guy who has half the money in the country. The other half belongs to Putin. Uh, it, it's tough to win a, a purse bid against those guys. So if, if it does, if they will not negotiate and allow them to try and make something first for Joshua Wilder or whatever they have planned, then they're they're going to be stuck dealing with Povetkin, who's not no 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 you know no walk in the park, especially with whatever advantages he can He's bring not, into but he any looks fight. Wash. Did you see him against David Price on the co-main event? Yeah. For this? He got not got knocked down when he was sent packing back to the ropes. I mean, he look he did come back and and knock out a big giant in David Price, who everyone at this level knocks out. But still, I thought Povetkin looked a little bit washed. But you're right, money might win that out. AJ was asked by the Press Association of Britain about Fury's co- negative comments against him, and he basically was like, if he wants to fight me next, he can fight me next. When Tyson Fury's ready, we'll make it big, we'll make it fun. Then he also said, when Deontay is ready, we'll also make it big, make it fun. Hey guys, wake up! Deontay's been ready for like two and a half years. You don't want to fight him now. Fury's going to slide in them DMs. We're going to see Joshua Fury before we see Joshua Wilder. And you know this, man. I look, and you know what? I kind of, part of me, although I want to see Wilder Joshua, that's the fight I would rather see. Kind of like how Anthony Joshua, there seems to be a little bit of him. He, he doesn't show it, but I, I get this sense that he's annoyed 
the way Deontay Wilder is just crowing, doing the media tours on this, talking to every mook with a podcast. I mean, you know, not just talking to a serious boxing heads, yes. but going all the way out there to casual land um, and, and really trying to push this, oh, he's afraid of me. Man, no, these fighters aren't afraid of each other. Uh, and, and saying it to people who will just accept that because they don't actually follow the sport. And... I think Joshua sees that and he's quietly annoyed and he's like, you know what? This guy is getting, the only reason this guy's star is blowing up is because I already was that star. And let me make this man wait, keep making, you know, two, three million dollar purses to almost lose to guys who are worse than me. And maybe he will lose and he'll never get my, the money I can give him. I'm just saying we thought all along that Joshua Wilder was the fight. Two unbeatens. You know, uh, huge punchers, good-looking guys, personalities, two different, two worlds collide, rival nations, like perfect, Rafe. But I'm thinking, if T-Fury is in shape, Rafe, the real fight is Fury Wilder. It really, really is, Rafe. I'll tell the gypsy boys. I'll tell the Irish crew. Hey, hey. Here we go. Punches like Mike Tyson. Yo, Bruno. Uh, so I'm saying it might be. I know Fury's got a lot to show us first, Rafe, to get there. But look, that would be an incredible style matchup of a guy bigger than Wilder with quicker hands who can box against a guy who can straight up break your eyeball. Left hand right on the eye of crowd. It was the left hand and it was clean. Yes, it was a good left hand right in the eyeball that often... I mean, that's the great Roy Jones and Max talking from uh, Adonis Stevenson versus Divorce Cloud a few years ago on HBO. But you know, I mean, when you break someone's eye, that's serious, as Roy once told us on this pod. Rick and I punched so hard that he's broken two guys' eye sockets, all right? Rick and I have broken two eye sockets. Two. Two. Let's get this right. Two eye sockets. And the jaw in the last fight, too. Do you know how powerful you got to be to be breaking eye sockets and jaw? I mean, well, Wilder punches that hard. Tell me you wouldn't be fired up for unbeaten Wilder against unbeaten Fury for the real crown, brother. Lineal, all four belts. Throw the IBO belt in there. All the belts, all right? Come on. Just Somebody's the tip, just for a second. Somebody's going to be having some issues with the eyeball. Wow. I just got fired up for that. Wow. You, you're not with me. I'm watching you on the screen here. Rafe, a fight that did get me fired up was last weekend, and it might be your 2018 leader for fight of the year from the 154 division. How dare you? How, wow, how dare me? Wow, wow. When I saw Jarrett Hurd unify a, tr- a trio, no, a, a, a pair, a pair of junior middleweight titles against Eris Landy Lara in Las Vegas, split decision, a knockdown in the 12th round. Holy crap, this was a coming out party. Rafe, were you as nearly as fired up as I was? Yes, I was. It, man, it was it was impressive. Hurd is so weird to me. I I. I'm I'm not all the way I should be way further ahead of where I'm at with him. I but I I I just can't come around yet. Even though what a performance. I mean, he does these things that are just amazing. Like the okay, the the of course just the size, the ability the ability to make 154 at a solid six foot one. Dude, he looks is, like Chavez is, Jr. against like uh uh Sebastian Zabit, right? Or, yeah. Holy crap. Um, so just that the stamina that he brings in, I mean, the way that he either digs down or or just has reserves to fight harder like he did coming out. I mean, even the 10th round of that fight, he comes, he starts that round like a house on fire. I mean, it was like, he, he and, and he did that multiple times late in the fight. Uh, obviously was able to find that, that knockdown punch in the last minute of the fight. 
all of those things are so impressive. At the same time, he just I'm, I, he gets hit right in the face all the time, and I'm and, and it's hard for me to sit there and be like, oh, this guy's awesome. Like, man, he's just walking straight into punches. Um, but at the same time, he just beat Lara, and and probably more convincing than I don't. I mean, probably the first win over Lara that I give someone credit yes. for actually winning. Nobody do- outside of Angulo for a couple rounds. And by the way, like Lara said leading up to this fight, he said, yeah, Angulo had success, but look what happened to him. I ended his career. That's basically what Lara said leading up yeah. to there. Outside of that for a few rounds, Rafe, nobody does this to Arislandi Lara, not even Canelo. And the thing with her that's so fun to watch is it's almost like he doesn't get that he's not supposed to be this good in this moment. Like he didn't have a big amateur career. He's not overly skilled, but he's just like... He just goes after it. It's almost like even against Trout, right? He's losing early rounds, but he just keeps coming forward. No no fear, no panic. He was the same way against Lara. Lara's 35, though, but he really hasn't taken any damage. How much of this do we just give, like, is it like 75% Herd's just that good and only 25 that Lara's been around a while, he's 35? I mean, where are you sort of putting the percentage on, like, okay, he's getting a little bit older, he's slowed down now, or no, Herd's just quick, strong, and doesn't have any fear and just keeps coming? I think you give most. I think you give the lion's share of the credit to Hurd because it was still a close fight. And I don't think if Lara had won on the cards, people would be upset because people don't like Erislandi Lara. But it would have been a. It would not have been a robbery. Uh, it it probably. I mean, I, that's this is the kind of fight that I would that that if uh, it were Andre Ward on the other end, I imagine the great Brian Campbell might be seeing ways that Andre Ward won <laughs> that fight <laughs> despite a knockdown. How dare you! Wow, wow. Uh, we're, we're going back there. We're going back to Vegas right there. But, wow. But there was a little bit. I, I I did. I do think that age played a factor in in Lars' performance in that. His legs did not strike me the same. He it seemed like he had old legs already. He was he really only moved backwards. He wasn't turning uh, herd very much. It kind of it sort of reminded me of when when Floyd stopped fighting as much with his legs. But of course Floyd was much better at, at not getting hit. Well, even though he you know even though he wasn't moving around the ring as much wasn't on his toes as much he though his his hip movement his body movement he just had all those other tricks to still keep guys from landing lara basically just closed up the, the tight guard and and said okay i will let this guy you know wail on me and mostly not get hit clean come back hit him clean and and hope that worked out. I think he thought his power was going to be the difference, Rafe, because we know Lara hits hard when 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 he lights you up Extremely. with counter shots. At that I think way, he... clean 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 power shots, the one, and he landed several, and they only only really that one uppercut. I think in the sixth round shook Hurd for a second. Because um, look, every time he always look, he, we want him to fight more exciting, and he he never yeah. does unless he's backed up like Angulo. He did. needs to he needs to be up against like a, the best pressure fighters <laughs> like. But and he knows on maybe his best night and heard to have like a fun fight. Yes. But he broke eye sockets before, by the way, Roy. He got punched so hard that he's broken two guys' eye sockets. I mean, do you know how hard you have to punch to break eye sockets? And he did that against Angulo, basically. So he knows he has that in his back pocket. But it didn't shake Hurd. And I think that messed with him mentally. And you got to give Hurd credit. Rising to the occasion that 12th round, that sweeping left hook. It didn't even look like he had a lot of power on it. It just hit perfectly on the chin, caught an exhausted Lara. What a fight! Tell me it's not the fight of the year so far. Tell me, come on, just just spit it out. Just I mean, just no, it's not the fight of the year. Are what? you kidding? Did you, did you? How how quickly are you gonna forget about? I forget everything. Usyk Briedis and Gassi of Dorticos. I mean, those were. I mean, and this is this is the. I don't. 
and there were other, I'm not this is not I I know this is just me playing oh. the, my my cruiserweight shtick, but there th- those fights there have been a lot of good fights this year, and and that right, one right, was tell, good. Tell me what you're trying to say about what Heard Lara didn't have. Why don't you just spit it out? Why don't you just talk straight to me and quit beating around the bush? What are you trying to say? What did it not have? I. It seemed like just a good fight for 11 rounds and then a fantastic finish. All right, all right. Good, not great, and then a, and then a fantastic finish. All right, I mean, look, I want you to play some sound for you of somebody who was an interested observer, and that's, of course, unbeaten Jermel Charlo, who's essentially the guy on deck. Like, as much as I am fired up for, like, the idea of Danny Jacobs against Jermel Charlo, Jermel Charlo against Heard now as a potential, like, sort of super fight at 154. Holy crap, our guy Marcus Viegas of Fight Hub TV did catch up with Jermel in the lobby after the fight. You hit a lot. The man still been getting hit. The man been getting hit since, you know, child. I, 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 I thought he was going to learn from that fight. And, you know, I understand Law is a crafty fighter. He moves a lot. He can do his thing. So, right now, y'all already know I'm the best. What'd you make? What? Hey, if you ain't with the Lions, so go far back. I want nothing but lions around me. That's how I am. They, they can't handle me. Laura is good. He is a crafty fighter. But his time is up. It's her time now. Let her enjoy these belts. Because uh, they know what it is. Mr. Uh, keep running your mouth. You're extremely familiar with Ares. All right, and I'm going to play one more for you. There's like, this, this is like five minutes of gold. Laura, uh, Jermel is out of control in this interview. Like, he just, like, you don't know if he's just fired he up. He spends the first minute and a half of the interview walking away from Marcos Viega with his back to the camera and, and Marcos chasing him down. Like, and he's, then he's, like, like he's bo- discovered a new interview technique. Like, like I'm, I'm never going to face the camera no more. Lions only. And then he's like, where's my boys? It's getting icy in here. He wanted his, like, guys, like, right up next to him. But here's how he clo- more or less closed. <laughs> You said you would beat him, but how exactly do you beat Jared Hurd when you guys fight? I, 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 I think the real honest guy truth to beating Jared Hurd is just punch that motherfucker. Punch him. Punch him. Don't punches at him. I ain't moving. I'm there. What's up? Let's fight. I'm a dog. You're a dog. I'm a lion. You're a lion, right? Let's do it. <laughs> if they, if he ain't a dog, I'm a lion him. Something like that, Rafe. No, All I know is that. If he ain't a lion, I'm a dog him. Rafe. A dog doesn't lion a lion. That's um, got me fired up right now. These char- I, By the way, I love these charts. I don't know if they're on drugs or if they're just those dudes because they're out of control right now in interviews. How good would this fight be? Don't soft play it. Don't do that. No, no. That is a great fight. Awesome fight. Uh, and And kind of goes back to the same questions that we – uh, that we just sort of watched them sort out a little bit in the Lara fight, only with a younger, perhaps perhaps heavier, you know, like stronger puncher, although we don't know. I mean, they, both guys hit pretty well. The one thing I think that Jermel would do, and he, like he was suggesting a little bit in this interview, is punch him, follow up. That's not you, Because Lara is that, that, that sort of cube, fights that Cuban style where he... Even when it's open, he's not going to give you more than that one-two or a counter shot. He doesn't. He, he's he's so he's always going to be that conservative by nature and looking to score and stop, score and stop. If Jermel Charlo shook Jarrett Hurd up 
like Lara did in the in the sixth round with that nice uppercut. If he got him for a moment, he's jumping on that. I mean that that is you know call it you know call it animals of prey, lion crap, whatever he wants to call it. <laughs> Just call it being aggressive. I think that he's gonna throw combinations, and that that's something that a, a guy who can punch and will let their hands go a little bit more against Hurd. That's the kind of guy who who I think will will have more success. Um, now, Hurd seems to have a great chin. Maybe he walks through that too. But that's what Jamel can show him that we haven't seen yet. Wow, both of these guys are just unrelenting, firing me up. The guy has balls. I mean, both of them do, Rafe. I want to see. Oh, wow, I want to see this fight. All right, we got to get into the weekend preview. Two more things, two more quickies to, to fly through. Uh, this was rumored for a while. I actually called Freddie Rocha at his gym a couple what, month and a half ago to try to get a comment, but he didn't. He didn't even know yet. But man, he apparently did cut ties with Freddie Roach. Manny Pacquiao, who's going to be facing Lucas Matisse in Malaysia this summer, like that fight a lot. He's cutting ties with Roach though, Rafe. But then he backpedaled on that story and put out a statement. This is contrary to statements which I personally did not make that are circulating in the media. I have not made my final decision who will be my head trainer for my July 14th fight. My advisor, Michael Kahn's, has been in contact with Freddie's people to keep them informed. Blah, blah, blah. Sounds like Senator Manny. I will advise the media when I'm ready, end quote. Rafe. You're on the inside of the Philippines. What the heck's going on? You expect you just came back from the Philippines. What the heck's going on here? Yeah, I think this is a, a, a harbinger or a little foreshadowing of what to expect with what it appears to be MP Promotions, Manny's promotional company, whatever that means, uh, I guess spearheaded by the one and only Michael Kahn's advisor to the stars, Uh what it's going to look like when they are in charge of something. And it's not uh, Bob Arum and and the more uh, experienced outfit like Top Rank setting everything up. There are going to be some miscommunications. There are going to be some people left out of the loop. And they're just going to try and throw it all together at the end and hope everything works out. That is possible. You can, you can pull that off in the Philippines and possibly Malaysia too. I don't know the country very well. Um, but it's... It, it's going to be messy. Uh, it's going to be the, the, I don't know about the, if the fight will be sloppy like you like it, but the promotion is going to be sloppy. It's already getting sloppy. Nobody, I basically, I would say don't really trust anything you read until fight night. And you see Matisse and Manny Pacquiao in a ring ready to fight together. I mean, this could turn into Bobby Pacquiao versus Fabian Maidana. I mean, we don't know. Uh, it's, speaking, uh, speaking of the great Bobby Pacquiao. Do you think that's not a low vote? Here is, it's not here. It's here. Uh, Bobby Pacquiao indicating that the punch was a little bit higher. It actually looked like it hit him underneath the cup. It's not a blow, not a blow, blow. <laughs> right here. Not here or here so much, but right here. It's not oh. a blow, blow, Rafe. Not a blow, blow. The great Bobby it, it, Pacquiao. But, it, you know, you... The word you um, said to sum up the situation between Manny and, and the media here. <laughs> I feel like it's just Manny getting influenced by the wrong people, and then he's afraid to cut the cord for Freddie, and now he hears Freddie might be upset, and then he's like, hold on, we don't want to do this. It's just, I mean, is this just him trying to prop up Boo, Boo Boy and give him some some headlines? Like, I don't know, whatever. Who, who Man, really like, cares? The truth is Manny has not said anything about it. The only person who said anything about it is Michael Kahn's, who... Almost every time in his career 
has has been walked back by whoever by the next person to speak after him. I mean, yeah. All the all the fights that he said were going to happen, and then two days later, Bob Arum comes on and says, "No, Mike does not know what he's talking about. We will let you know who Manny's fighting next." Like, and this is just a, yet another version of that. Um, it is, I think. Manny is let, trying to let the people around him flex their muscles a little bit, run with this a little bit, give them an opportunity to make some money for themselves, give them an opportunity to make themselves useful. Um, and that may include hiring Boo Boy as his trainer rather than, than Freddie. Um, but we don't know if there was actually any friction. We do know Freddie has been pretty open saying that Manny has not communicated with him in almost a year since the horn fight. Now, there's, that's probably true. I mean, that, I, mean that's, I, mean, I, I trust Freddie, I'm, but, but he's mentioned that they've had long sort of in-between fight layoffs and stuff like that before. Uh, so you don't want to read too much into it, but it, it means something. The silent treatment means something. And, and I think that in this case, Manny is either trying to walk back the narrative that he sort of walked away from Freddie without ever even talking, saying, speaking anything to him, which is possible. He's trying to save a little bit of face there. Or, or he, the people working for him really are just freelancing, don't really know what they're doing, and talking out of their buttholes. Uh, it, and I, to me, that's a 50-50 bet. It could be either, <laughs> either way. I, I don't trust either any of it. Wow, wow. I mean, you know, what else can you say to that, right? You're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Not even Jeff Horn, his wife. Wow, wow. I mean, this is just... <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. <laughs> All right, Rafe. Uh, the final bit of uh, news was last Thursday on ESPN2, because we care about this, Rod Salka was sent to hell by Francisco Vargas via TKO6 in their junior lightweight bout. It really, on a high level, was the first we've seen of Salka since that very forgetful, uh, it was assault brother, Lost knockout loss KO what one or two against Danny Garcia in 2014. It would be all nice to see him back in our lives, Rafe. If he didn't like use the opportunity to make a big political statement, Rod Salka going out there with his MAGA trunks with like uh, what was it a, a wall on it with like uh, he had a a red, white, and blue brick wall with the words "America First" across the belt, which. Uh, you know, uh, it was a clumsy statement, regardless of of one's political leanings, and one that he did not Against play a Mexican? well as he quickly got his ass handed to him. Uh, but really, more for for us here at the, in this corner, what's more important is load watch. Hashtag load watch. We let you know when these things happen. Someone gets water poured on their balls, or if someone shoots a load in a boxing ring, we gonna let you know. Yeah, let's hear the call on that finish there. Between Bernard Hopkins it was and Bernardo. The fifth round right before the knockdown. Let's hear it. But he, can he continue? Can he continue? Which he had not Bernard. He stopped. He threw those five, six punches. He's trying to get a breather. And right now, he's paying for that. So he shot his load. And now he's getting pummeled. When, oh, he got hit with a right uppercut. That's a right uppercut that drops. Rod Salka, it came after a low blow. Let him shoot his low. Wow, and wow. And down the stretch, do what we do best. When did you think that the fight was starting to turn when he shot his load? And you I think it was the fifth round where he, where he shot his load there. We found well, out, right? He was Rafe, trying but... to fight off. He was trying to fight Vargas off, trying to throw enough flurries to, to give himself some breathing room. But he went in the process. Seems like he shot his load, at least according to Bernard Hopkins, who I believe was talking to Bernardo Asuna at, uh, and calling him Bernard. But yeah, That was hilarious. By the way, to close... I almost, it's like, 
political agreements aside or disagreements aside, I was almost like happy to see Salka just go out there and just be the villain because he got so played in that Garcia fight. Like I know he made a career high money, he made like two hundred grand. It was like you know he never made that before and again or after. But I always felt like he was owed another opportunity by PBC or by anybody to sort of get back in there. And I know he's had some time out of the ring. He actually ran for political office and lost in his native Pennsylvania. But it was almost like his way of just being like, all right. Sh- crap you guys ripped me you boxing media and fans forever i'm gonna come back in this fight. i'm gonna take some money i'm gonna you know be in a main event and i'm just gonna give you all the middle finger i'm not saying i agree with his political statements but there's a part of me that was like go go do your thing rod like hot rod be whatever you be whoever you want to be like dude you got hammered out by garcia that fight never should have happened go go do what you need to do I don't know, but he it, if you when you talk about heel turns in the sport, he went from someone who was I guess a little he was a punchline, but he was also he was a sympathetic punchline at least. A guy who was screwed over by the powers that be in boxing, put into a position where he was destined to fail in the ugliest fashion. We saw it happen, assault in the ring, and and then, and then he turns all that around and and alienates at least half of the boxing audience, which was, and and is now go, who will now remember him almost solely as that guy and forget what, you know, whatever sort of that, 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 that generous feeling of, you know, Salka wasn't as bad as he looked. He kind of got, he got, he, you know, he got screwed that night. He got sent into an impossible situation that kind of, nobody feels that way for him anymore. You know, now we saw him in another op- situation and, and he, he went in to fight a, a, a Mexican Olympian, Francisco Vargas, uh, wearing, uh, America first wall trunks. Yeah. I'm not saying I agree with that decision. And he just got saying. what he was asking for. Yeah. But here, look at this point though, th- there's only one piece of advice I do have for Rod Salka. I know this sounds terrible. <laughs> I think he should finish. No, that's that's too hard. I should I should th- I think that's he should finish. Harsh. Listen, I mean, he should finish. I love it. It's, it. He should, I, it sounds terrible. I think he should finish. Wow, wow. Hey, Rafe, let's get into this weekend preview here. A lot of interesting fights. It is sort of a crowded weekend of fights. It begins with the debut Saturday from Liverpool, England, of what appears to be a a stretch of fights on the new ESPN Plus over the top service streaming app that will cost you what five bucks a month. And the announcement was made that Terrence Crawford, of course, is going to fight Joe Horn on that, that there's going to be once a month at least of these. So this is almost like pay-per-view light. I mean, it really is. Look, it's it's like pay-per-view light. But we're going to start with Amir Khan, Phil LoGreco, 12-round welterweight fight from Liverpool. Your thoughts? Uh, I think Phil LoGreco will miss weight and then lose. He's not the adult dancer, right? That's the guy that Peter, that Kid Chocolate sent to hell that time, right? <sighs> Who did Kid Chocolate send to hell that was an adult that answer? dude, uh, Raskin, was ringside. It was at Oh, the, uh... yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, actually, like, the ambulance, like, actually drove him straight to hell. You know what I'm yes. talking about? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that one. Uh, do you have any thoughts on a on a you know, Amir Khan comeback here at 31? Welterweight wants big fights. He came out, told boxing scene basically that uh, he was desperate for a super fight. That's why he took the Canelo fight, but he's a much better fighter now. Blah, blah, blah. Same old story from Amir Khan. You know, I think he will be about as good as he was when we last saw him. Maybe a little bit of slippage because he's been inactive. Uh, but he'll have at least this one and probably one more semi-tune-up fight to get back into form. But at the highest level, he's going to fight someone who knocks him out. That's 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 going to be it. Uh, unless they manage him very carefully. And I don't think he has the juice now to get that kind of those kind of kid gloves. He's He's being groomed to lose to someone in a big fight, probably Kell Brook. Um, 
Yeah, Eddie's Along- got him. This is an Eddie Hearn upgrade. Hashtag Hearn yeah. with Hearn. He's 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 with Eddie now, which is good. Um, I, I it'd be fun. It'll be fun to watch Eddie Hearn, who has had some notable, uh, some harsh words for Amir Khan in the past. Uh, now talking him up. Uh, but you know, you do what you got to do. You know, this, this, this is the, that's the game. The game be the game. Uh, the only, the, the one thing that excites me is uh, is our guy Joe Goosen. I mean, this. Uh, also, what a odd couple for yes. for for a fighter and trainer. Joe Goosen, one of the greatest hard ass, no nonsense. You better effing get inside on him. And that, like, imagine, imagine, I, I, just thinking that uh, Amir Khan in a in having having to show the balls of a Diego Corrales. I mean, it's and and Joe Goosen being there to 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 fluff him, water him, get him primed up to 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 for that kind of performance. Um wow, we threw in a performance there. Um, uh, by the way, that male stripper was uh, Australia's pretty boy Michael Zarafa. That was that male stripper to close it out. But yeah, I like this Goose and K- uh, Khan relationship. It's just I've always wanted, you know. I mean, Freddie Roach had that brief run with Khan where he was making him very offensive and just saying like, "All right, your your problem is defense and chin, so let's just go out there and throw punches and bunches and, and use our jab and use our speed." We'll see. I mean, Lagreco's no big deal. He's alternated wins and losses going back to 2013, right? We've seen him get sent to hell by Spence, took lost the decision to Porter. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's a get well. It's a tune-up fight. Not looking for much more than that. Will you be purchasing, though, the four ninety-nine rafe or will you, will you be looking to get some streamage with your shrinkage there? What are you getting here? Look, man, I am. I, I don't like being feeling manipulated, and that's the way I feel about the way the, the ESPN Plus rollout. Eventually, I think it's a, it looks like a valuable service. The, the, the library of past fights, yes. all of those things are worth $5 a month to me. But... I don't like being backed into a corner and sort of forced to buy this so I can watch fights. I, that, that seems uh, to me that I just don't like how it makes me feel. I feel used and abused. Yeah. So I'm going to wait until after Horn Crawford and then buy it sometime after then. To, even though they're still going to get my money, I will at least do something to make it feel, make myself feel like I stuck it to the man before the man reams me 10 times over. Wow, I gotta, I gotta give you that one right there about sticking it to the man. Uh, let, now we go to that triple header. This is really the prime date show card of the weekend. I will be there Saturday in Brooklyn. Showtime triple header. We'll start at the very top, Rafe. Adrian Broner against late replacement Jesse Vargas, right? It was originally Omar Figueroa Jr. in a 12-round welterweight bout. And Broner for this fight switch camps. Brought in Kevin Cunningham, uh, Devin Alexander's trainer, also did the same camp with Gervonta Davis. He's sort of saying the same things again, a little bit softer this time of, you know, I'm going to get serious about my life this time. I've actually been getting good sleep, he says, Rafe. That's, I guess, you know, all right, I guess that's a big part of uh, preparing for a fight. And, uh, yeah, um, he's out of chances from the standpoint, of course, in us believing that he's still an elite. But I still feel like until he starts taking KO losses, which he's not, he's still, you know, he's got a great chin. He's still going to get ratings. He's still going to beat the B and B plus guys, but he's always going to lose to that upper level. The real question here is who is Jesse, where and who is Jesse Vargas right now? Is he in that upper level? Is this a trap fight for AB? Yes or no? Hell yeah, it's a trap fight for AB. I, I, I can't believe, I'm a bit surprised that when the fight got, remade with Jesse Vargas and after Omar Figueroa had to pull out that they didn't, that they haven't adjusted sort of the way it's been sold as, as almost like, I mean, you look at the branding for the fight, it's like Adrian Broner versus a TBA. I mean, Jesse Vargas has 
despite uh, I would say despite Adrian Broner's four belts and whatever, you know, four fecal belts that he managed to pick up over the years. I think that Jesse Vargas has achieved more in his career and has better wins. And I think that he will, I think that he will, and I'm not a huge Jesse Vargas fan, but even close losses to Tim Bradley or the, you know, he, he, he at least has shown that he can hold his own in the ring against Bradley and Pacquiao and, 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 Let's not forget about all of Jesse Vargas's gifts, split decisions. That's true. He was he, for a while. He, and and he might be the first time he's one of the first times he's fighting outside of Las Vegas where he he can count on some Canelo style scorecards. Um, but still, I think that Vargas is the guy who treats his boxing career like a career, and he's not bad. He's not a bum. So wow. I think wow. that I, I think he's going to win this fight. I not and not because. Not even because Broner is in or out of shape at his best or not, you know, whatever, what in his head or not in his head. We've seen Broner. We know he's going to stand there and and not be active. He's going to have a few flashy counters and he's going to get out pointed like he does against every good fighter. Don't forget what Tim Bradley recently said about Broner. Broner, like I said, has all the skills in the world, man, but no brains, no brains, man. You know, you, you, you got to have brains, man. And, and I feel that he doesn't. No brains, right? So that, whatever that's it, it is, right I mean, whatever he, he he or he's not using them. All right, here's what I'm gonna say about AB right now. Needs to win. Needs needs to win here. All right, he sort of does this, right? He alternates losses when he does step up to like the Sean Porter, Maidana level. Beats the guys he should. I've never been high on Jesse Vargas. I know he stopped Saddam Ali to win that vacant belt. I know he looked good in one round against Tim Bradley when he wobbled him late. He's not upper tier to me, all right? He's not like Jose Cito Lopez. I mean, Lopez can fight, right? He's, he's, a, he's a brawler. He's got heart. He's not maybe that unpolished, but he's closer to that in my eyes than he is to the Sean Porters of the world. I think AB wins this fight. I think he wins this fight to bounce back from that loss to Mikey Garcia. And then I think, you know, he stays in line, gets another Granados, Khabib, like Vyadurdiev type of opponent. Then steps up again and loses, right? That's that's what that's the train we're on right now. He needs this fight. He's got a new trainer. He said one thing AB said, and look, you can take his words for what they are. He said he was in Kevin Cunningham's camp before for Bradley versus Alexander. And he says that he got sworn at the entire camp by Cunningham. And he says he misses that sort of uh, discipline, you know, because Mike Stafford was apparently letting him do whatever he wanted. You know, I'm not saying they brought a stripper pole into the middle of the ring, but it was pretty much a, a free for all. I feel like AB is going to redeem himself here. Take a fight seriously. Outpoint Jesse Vargas. I could see it happening. I do think, I mean, I think it, there is a very good chance that Vargas may end up losing this fight on points, not only for if Broner fights well, and because and, he certainly is good enough uh, to to win a fight. I mean, it's, it's going it's, to, they, they match up closely regardless. But also because Jesse Vargas seems to have been brought into uh, PBC as an opponent he he had the, a tune-up fight where he didn't look great at the end of last year on the on the same card that uh ivan redcatch and, and john molina jr gave us that great sloppy knockdown three round like brawl of brawl of short short brawl of the year um and then and then vargas was the headliner and he came in and was just boring he just really didn't look great against a, a guy who was brought in to lose in more impressive fashion so there's all that he was Vargas. It seemed like would they were bringing him back as the guy they wanted to lose to Keith Thurman to 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 sort of rehab Keith Thurman's uh, reputation as he rehabs his various arms and elbows. Uh, and now 
he's being put up against Broner, who, yeah, who there's more money behind him. There's more money potential in him, win, you know, you win, win and lose, but better if he wins one, if he gets a win. And so I would be a little bit worried. If I were Jesse Vargas, I, I would, I would want to come in with a game plan to be more active than usual, to really push the issue, because he's not fighting in Vegas. They're fighting in New York. PBC, he has only fought once for them. But he, I, nothing, nothing I've seen makes me believe that Vargas is someone who they're planning to push, to, to, to be a star. So he has to go in and win fights to earn that, to get that. And he can. This is a winnable fight for him. But not if he just – I don't let it be a close fight because I don't think he's winning that one. Yeah, don't let me be the last to know, as Brittany once said. Uh, Rafe, that co-main event I like a lot because this is another opportunity for the Charlos to just – make massive giant statements. This will be for an interim WBC middleweight title, Jermall Charlo, in what amounts to his second fight at 160 after moving up against Hugo Centeno Jr. This, of course, was rescheduled because of Centeno's injury. It was supposed to be last month. Rafe, this is a setup for Charlo to get a nasty knockout, I think, because that's what the Charlos do right now. They get nasty knockouts. And, you know, uh, this is Jermall, so he's been on a run, right, where he knocked out one-legged Jorge Sebastian Island, send Julian Williams to hell, beat Austin Trout in a fight that he didn't look great, but he but he rallied and, and stayed strong. Uh, man, Centeno, by the way, the only loss of his career was when that Machi! guy that guy Danny Jacobs is fighting, uh, sent him to the Triple D with a TKO 10, right? The deep, dark depths there. Uh, I like Centeno. I like he's got a great look. He's got great hair. But this is Jamal Charlo's opportunity to really just bang that 160 drum and just, just I mean, just absolutely <laughs> just bang that thing, Rafe. Yeah, uh, Santano's pretty good. He 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 seems to have a little bit of power. You know, he gets like one impressive highlight reel one-punch knockout a year against a sort of middleweight journeyman each year. I mean, usually it's nobody particularly impressive, but uh, he uh, he he still has enough pop to do that. Um, but but he just he does he's never looked fast that quick to me. He's got good timing. He's pretty well schooled. I just think Charlo's on another level. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited to see it though. I like to see the. Charlos it's a meaningful. Continue. It's a. It's certainly more meaningful than one-legged Highland. I mean, this is this. This is the kind of fight that uh, we probably would have wished could have been Jamal Charlo's first fight at middleweight before whatever moving on to real championship level contender style. And they want tough fights. They actually complain. They're yeah. one of the only PBC guys who complain when they get weak fights. So I like to see that. Rafe, the they opener... complain when they're on Adrian Broner's card as well. About... You remember that? Hey, that we, was, we that see was what the, last, the last Charlo outburst. We got to see what happens there in terms of trash talk from the trio of guys on oh here. Javante God. Tank Davis was in camp with AB. He's going to open this card against Jesus Cuellar for a vacant WBA regular junior lightweight. I don't even know what that means, but we know that Javante was overweight on the Maymac undercard and beat that scrub Francisco Francisco or what was that guy's name? Uh, oh, don't, don't, don't even yeah, don't don't even don't even look it up is what Rafe is basically saying. Uh, Rafe, so Tank, this is an opportunity to basically get another belt back. That was Francisco Fonseca, who he uh, he came in with the uh, with that blue headdress on. Remember? Uh, well, that was Gervonta. That was Gervonta did. It looking like a Teletubby. Um, so I like this fight because we know that that Cuellar can bang from Argentina, right? I mean, we've seen him do some bad things before. He is coming off a split decision loss to Abner Mares in 2016 and did not fight at all. That was a split decision. Year. 
that was in a fight that uh, two of the scorecards. I remember Mara's really outboxing him in that. Yes, I, I believe he did. And also Cuellar went down in that fight late. So that yeah. was the first Cuellar performance outside of getting stopped by Escandon back in like 2011, like a long time ago, where he didn't look like a killer, right? He looked he looked uh, mortal at this level. He's not blowing away guys like Victor Chinian anymore or, or, or Wanma anymore. He's stepping in there against real guys. What do you think about this fight? Because at first I thought it could be a trap fight for Tank, but but look, Tank's legit. He may not be the smartest guy in the world, but he's legit, right? This is a good fight, a good test to see what we have here when you're coming off a fight which you took a ton of criticism for missing weight. Yeah, I think that if Davis is in shape, is ready to go near his peak, whatever, you know, it's basically fight the fighter he had looked like in most of his fights before the last one, I would expect him to win. But Cuellar, look, you you said it. I mean, he is rugged. He's going to come right at him and put some try and put it on him. Now, that plays right into Tank Davis's style, like a guy who's going to, you know, just march up to him, who, who who is not that hard to hit, uh, who's dangerous. But but Tank should be able to beat him to the punch and hit him with cleaner counters and and probably, you know, get him out of there. Uh, but if he's if if Davis is for some reason doesn't not not in the, the the proper shape, if he basically comes out like he did in that last fight where he didn't look so great about uh, Francisco Fonseca, uh, then then it's a problem. Then it is a trap fight because Cuellar, uh, I, you know, he, he in the past, I mean, they thought of him as a real real problem at 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 one thirty. Uh, now I wonder. I wonder if he's been off for what over what, a year and a half, almost two years since that Mares fight. The Mares and fight was uh, December of 2016, so it's yeah, it's been almost a year and a half. Year and a half he's been off. They, I kind of, the matchmakers must know something. The matchmakers must know that this Quayar is not the Quayar that we would have thought is as dangerous as uh, as dangerous in as he was before. Yeah. Otherwise, this fight wouldn't be made right now. I agree with you. These are not the droids you're looking for. It is an opportunity for Gervonta to have a big night to get back in our our good graces in terms of a guy who may have next, but. Every time you talk to Ellerby, Leonard Ellerby, the uh, Mayweather promotion CEO, about the idea of facing uh, Vasily Lomachenko, they're like, yeah, right, no chance. But Floyd came out at that recent sh uh, Showtime card last week and was basically like, yeah, that's the fight we want. That's all BS, Rafe. You know that's all BS. They don't want it. I mean, the headline of that interview for me was not the MMA stuff. It was it was Floyd mistakenly calling his fighter, Gervonta Davis, Adrian Broner, uh, which sort of gives every – I mean, I've always been – because Broner has had such sort of a, a troubled career, I, I, I have not wanted to jump the gun and start making that comparison with Gervonta Davis because it just seems too early. It seems unfair, even if there are some signs that you might, you, you know, you, you, you might feel that way. I, I don't want to, I didn't want to go there yet, but if Floyd is doing it, maybe we, maybe that just opens the door for everyone to just do it. But we're not seeing that fight anytime soon. They don't want none of that. Rafe, good fights picked up by the Showtime Facebook and YouTube stream on Saturday afternoon from Northern Ireland, the Belfast boy, Carl Frampton against your man, Nonito Donare for a vacant WBO interim featherweight title. Heck yeah, I like this fight a lot, right? This sure. pretty much offers Donaire at what, 36? Like the last stand. If he can beat Frampton here, he's back in the top end of, of, of the division here at featherweight, 126. If he can't, it could be the end if he gets stopped. But I think this version of Donaire, man, he empties the tank. Like he relies on that power and he just goes after it. Yeah, you know, he's become, it's, it's, He's not obviously not as good a fighter as he was at his in his prime in his pound you know top 
three or five pound for pound level prime when he was at the lower weights, when he was just ripping everybody up. I mean, talk about a fun highlight reel of knockouts. Go uh, go look at some prime Nonito oh, beating up Victor Chinian and Montiel and that uh, Sidorenko guy who he basically, I mean, like like just fell flat on his face. Really, he's not that explosive fighter anymore. He he doesn't have that speed that he did. That that really was the, the what he 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 banked on to to catch guys you know by surprise and and just have them you know looking like they were in deep trouble but he throws his he's, he 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 so but he works his straight right a little bit more he's become more of a workman like fighter and he's in fights he he doesn't there was a time when when boxing fans thought that Nonito Denaire didn't have the level of heart or whatever you know there were these questions about his desire because he's such a nice guy, and when he talks about the sport, he acknowledges how much he cares about his family, and and all the. He's one of these guys who will acknowledge the dark side of the sport, and that's something we appreciate, but also something we we hold against fighters because they're like, well, do you really want this then? Do you really want it? Um, but in the last couple of fights, I think that he's really. I mean, that Cesar Juarez fight where he basically, you know, they both took each other to hell, and he and Nonito survived it. Um, and he fought well in the loss against Jesse Magdaleno. Um, I I think this is a good a good fight. I think he'll he'll come out and perform well. And he's dangerous. You know, he will always be dangerous because he's got power in both hands, especially that left hook. Uh, and and Frampton has been uneven in the past as well. So Frampton should win. And and if Frampton had a good camp and if Frampton is on his game, then he should be favored. He's quicker. He's younger. He's fresher. But we've seen him, especially uh, when he's not getting all the way up for fights like he did, say, the first Leo Santa Cruz fight, which when he was amazing, you know, some of those that that fight we those fights where he got knocked down his first stateside appearance. And I'm I, I'm sorry, I feel like we should mention I forgot the opponent's name who who, who died uh, last year, um, which means we have to look it up. Um, Are you talking about Alejandro Gonzalez Jr. when Frampton went down twice in round one? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, good performance and and uh, you know uh, condolence long even though it's been a while condolences to the family. Yeah, passed away la- uh, December of 2016 at just 23 years old. I, you know, I almost forgot about that fight and the rise of Frampton because he had come back from that to beat Quig, to beat Santa Cruz, and become basically your 2016 fighter of the year. You know, at a point where we were like. Is Frampton not the guy who we thought he was? So he did sort of redeem that. Lost the rematch, of course, to Santa Cruz. If he beats Donare here, this obviously gets him back up in that conversation for, you know, whether it's a Cruz trilogy, whether it's an Abdomaris. You know, of course, Santa Cruz and uh, Abdomaris are going to fight a rematch on June 9th. So he's back in the running for big fights. I like Nonito. I like this version of him. Quick boxers are going to give him trouble. The whole key, you got to get Frampton into a, into a brawl here. You got to get him into a fight, and then we'll see if he can if he can compete here. Because like guys mm-hmm. like Magdaleno are just going to dance around him. We know that coming in. Rafe, you don't care about the co-main event at all, right? When Zolane Tete, the guy who had that like sixth round knockout last year, fights for a uh, six second knockout, not six rounds. Six, sorry, six second. Did I say six round? Wow. Uh, he's going to defend his WBO bantamweight title against forty two year old Omar Narvaez, who by the way keeps winning. Remember when Naiwa Inui has sent him to hell in 2014? He's bounced back with like eight straight wins with his uh, rat tail. I don't think you really care about that fight, but I just wanted to mention it. I mean, I, I, Tete is interesting. You know, I mean, that, he put himself on the map with that with that knockout last year, and we'll see what he can do with Crafty. Ah, oh, man, I I'll never forgive Narvaez for 
for coming into that fight with Nonito and and just not not engaging at all and and just oh oh, 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 boy, oh, oh. I'll never forgive that rat-tailed Argentinian. Wow. He, I mean, you my, he's not welcome united. in the house of Maidana, man. Oh my god. Two Rafaels reuniting here, Bartholomew and and Big Dan. Wow. Uh it being sports Espanol from Guadalajara, Mexico is going to give us Canelo's brother Ramon Alvarez against Jorge Paez Jr. I know you don't care about that fight. Tyson Marquez. I only, on I only my, my only Alvarez I, I I root for is Rigoberto. I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. And to close from uh, Sechua, Poland, or however you want to pronounce that, Tomas Adamek still going, Rafe, at 42 against Joey Abel, a 10-round heavyweight fight. Who you got here, Rafe? Who you give it to me? Extra sloppy. Who you got right here? I, I don't know. Is, who's Joey A. Bell? Is he? Is that, he remember supposed... Tyson Fury sent him to hell a few years ago? Like in the All right. So I'm, I'm, for for old times' sake, and since it's in Poland, I'm, let's hope that Tomas Adamek can can uh, still has enough in the tank to win that one. Send the fans a- home Abel's happy. 36. His nickname is Minnesota Ice. He's six four, southpaw, white guy. He probably hangs out with sled skills up in Minnesota. And our guy Caleb Truex, right? Come on, you know he's lost to. Uh, some guys you never heard of. Oh, yeah, Pulev sent him down. Yeah, who can, why am I talking about this? Ariola gave him a KO1 at some point. Hey, maybe Adamek can retire one of these days, right? He's been, he's been lingering for a while there. Rafe, that'll wrap up a sloppy episode of the week that was in Boxeo and much more. Follow at Rafe Boogs on Twitter at B Campbell CBS. Hey, subscribe to the Respect Box newsletter every Friday. Is this still in, in operation? This is fantastic. Ryan, I respect box. I put one out last weekend. It was a little jet lag, but I think we'll be back up to speed uh, this week for sure. All right. I was at WrestleMania. I did not get to catch up on that. I let you down right there. And hey, check us out. Tuesday episode of In This Corner, Karate Kid Edition. You don't want to miss it. An interview with William Zabka here. Rafe Boogs right here with the great Eric Raskin of HBO Sports breaking down all things Karate Kid trilogy. Hey, maybe we'll dip into that fourth one. Maybe not. We'll see, Rafe. For Rafe Boogs, this is BC. Rafe, you got a message for the people as we walk away. We out.